Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Kind Parenting Company podcast. I'm Jackie Ward. And I'm Kylie Camps. Join us as we explore topics and share evidence-based information, all while honoring our commitment to kind parenting practices. This is a safe space for conversation and reflections on parenting and motherhood, designed to best support you in raising your little loves and to be the parent you want to be. We are so excited that you're here. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. It is an episode with Jackie and myself, Kylie, and we're going to just do a bit of a get to know us episode and answer some questions that were submitted via Instagram. So Jackie, here we are. It's nice to see your face kind of, although we're having some some slight tech issues this morning and Jackie is pixelated, but I can see her beautiful hair. (laughs) (laughs) and I can see you there as well so pixelated and fuzzy but here we are (laughs) it might be for the best actually because I've had one of those mornings where I've not had a chance to get dressed properly I'm wearing the jumper that I slept in last night I threw on a pair of fresh tights because today we have a (laughs) rental inspection and so they can come anytime from nine and you know what it's like getting kids with breakfast and then keeping the house tidy and like everything sorted. So it's just one of those mornings where I'm like, you know what? The focus is just making sure the house looks nice and yep. I'll just deal with me at some point. <laughs> Look, full disclosure, because honesty is always the best policy. They say I am in my sweaty workout gear underneath my, and I've popped a shirt over the top of it. So I, all you can no, see is like the top half. <laughs> Well played. But underneath this shirt is a sweaty bra and workout pants. So there you go. Oh, that's so much of motherhood, isn't it? It's like we're just above water, everything's fine, and then you're paddling like nothing else below water. But it is lovely. What a metaphor. Yes, totally, totally. So at some point, if someone knocks on the door, I may have to let them in to inspect the house. I'm also a bit nervous because we have a snake, in, like a pet snake in the house at the moment. And I, ha- I saw. Yeah. And like one, I'm worried that if I don't warn someone that there's a snake in the laundry, if they're like terrified of snakes, that could be slightly <laughs> traumatic for them on their first inspection. But also I don't know if we're allowed to have a pet snake. Oh, maybe they don't need to see the laundry. Just be like, oh, whole lot of washing in there. Mum life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Leave that one closed. <laughs> Mum life, don't worry about the diamond python or whatever the hell it is in there. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sounds like the wheels are falling (laughs) off here, but they're not. They're not. So now that I've rambled for a bit, let's get stuck into who we are and what it is that we do. Jackie, tell me a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do for our listeners. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, so for anyone that's not familiar, my name's Jackie Ward um, and my business is called The Brave Space. When I'm not in business, I guess first up, pretty important to know I'm a mum. I have three little ones. I've got two boys who are seven and five now and a little girl who is two. So that keeps me 
crazy busy when I'm not doing work or me things. Um, and I suppose talking of work and me things, on that side of um, life, I am a provisional psychologist, which means I'm still completing my training, working towards my registration. I have one semester left of uni and then I will be out and about. Um, but when I'm not studying, I work to support um, mums and families, um, essentially, of children who are highly sensitive or whatever it may be, they just need a little bit of extra help. Um, that's really what I'm passionate about. So that's me in a little neat nutshell. <laughs> yeah, and the Brave Space is mm. a great resource as well. I know so many parents who have followed along and they'll just reach out every now and then and just say like the Brave Space is such a great place for them to go and just get those little bits of information and to feel supported. So I know that you um, have worked hard to create that space and it is a really, really beautiful spot. So if anyone is not following the Brave Space on Instagram, definitely jump over. You will not regret having it in your feed. I oh, appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, who am I and what do I do? My name is Kylie Camps. I I never know like where to start with the what do I do thing. I feel like it's one of those <laughs> things like sometimes when I meet people out, Jackie, and they're like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I, I don't. Oh, I, 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 not, I, yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I think about that because what do you write on your passport too? Like, you know, when they have that neat little box, occupation, what, what do you write there? Yeah, well, I don't go anywhere, so I haven't had to deal with that. <laughs> But well, that solves but that at then. some point I might. Um, I It depends. So sometimes I'll say, oh, I, I'm a business owner. Sometimes I'll say I work in podcasting. That's usually my go-to is, oh, I just work in the podcasting space and e-commerce as well because I've got the Kind Parenting Company, which is an online resource for baby and toddler sleep. I studied to complete my certification to be an infant and toddler sleep consultant um, like eight years ago now, which feels like a lifetime ago, and moved from doing in-home consultations, which was super rewarding, um, to the online space, which is equally as rewarding, but it is a different beast. I moved mm. from in-home consultations to online purely because the demand was so great at the time that I started the Kind Parenting Company, which um, that's what it's known as now, but we've had a few different iterations. I began um, working as I think it was called the Routine Mama, perhaps, because I was really focused on helping people with their routines and schedules, and then it moved to sleep. And anyway, that's a whole other beast. But the demand was so great for people needing support with their infant sleep that I moved to the online platform, and that's been great. Um, I've also now got the Frey podcast, which is a resource for women who just, I guess, want to learn about personal growth and self-development and all sorts of things over on that, pl that platform. And that's a really strong podcast. And we've got the KPC podcast, which you do an incredible job at managing for us. Um, and then I guess I also do like the Instagram side of things as well within in that influencing space, which sometimes it's like, Bleh like that word influencer, like it doesn't feel, I'm like, oh, you know, like I'm a mum of eight-year-old twins, influencer doesn't really come out. Um, like it doesn't feel like an easy thing to say, but I guess that's what it is because I work with brands with brand partnerships and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. It probably doesn't really encapsulate, I don't think, everything that 
um, that side of your work and your business um, is really about, I don't think. So that's probably why it's uncomfortable. Maybe. Yeah, or I, maybe it's just like a, a silly little thing is like when I think of the word influencer, I think of like young, beautiful, like pushing protein powders, that type of thing. <laughs> Whereas I guess I'm fortunate enough that I've got a handful of brands that I've worked with for a couple of years and it's great yeah. and it's um, I guess it's just the way that businesses operate and market these days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, separate from the work side of things, as I mentioned, I've got eight-year-old twin boys. They are identical. They're turning nine at the end of the year, which I can't oh, believe. My gosh. I know. And, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of it in a nutshell at the moment. Um, and you have a pet snake in your life. And I have a pet snake <laughs> and a moodle. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got Lou. So Lou is um, our little moodle. And I thought she'd be bothered by the snake, Jackie, but she's not. It's so funny, isn't it? Because my boys are, um, well, my eldest in particular is all about reptiles. So we've had a rotating door here. Oh, you'll have to bring him up. Oh, my goodness. He would be in heaven with that snake. I showed him a photo the other day and his little eyes just like lit up. (laughs) Um, So we've had a, yeah, revolving door of bearded dragons and, you know, all sorts of creatures in this home too. And I've got a pug called Audrey, but Audrey's not that phased either even when the lizards are on the ground or out for a cuddle or whatnot she really just takes that all in her stride I think she was more bothered by the babies coming home yes I was just saying that the other day I was like you know what Lou had more of an adjustment period to the to the boys coming home than she's had to this snake who's often wrapped around one of the boys it's strange isn't (laughs) it yeah, clearly they know the pecking order. They're not phased by the no, scaling No, yeah, things. she's They're number like, one. Sit she's, above there. She's my yeah. favourite child. <laughs> um, so, Jackie, one of the questions that came through was how did you and I actually meet or connect? Yes. Can I take this one? Please. Can I start with this? I'll give you my side. So, true story, Kylie and I were friends before she even knew it. Um, <laughs> she was obli- <laughs> oblivious to our friendship, but it was great. This was probably... Oh, oh you're so funny. I think we figured out. No, it's true. I think this was about, um, would have been when your boys were about three. So I'm guessing probably four or five years ago, mm. which coincided beautifully with the time that my little guy was two and we had, I was in the depths of sleep troubles and I was a first time mama pregnant with my second. And um, I guess one of those serendipitous things, you came into my Instagram feed um, and I saw in you someone that I felt was like me in terms of our approach to parenting and the kind of mum that we wanted to be. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I connected with you. Of course, you weren't aware of that yet. But I was actually initially a customer, I suppose, of the Kind Parenting Company, which was then the Sleep Mama. So I bought your programs. Um, they helped me a lot in that crazy time when I was adjusting to um having my second with so I had a 20 month old and then my second boy was born and so I was a customer essentially long story short and then I followed you and and I suppose grew with you I then was a customer for your toddler life program when my eldest became was you know in the depths of toddlerdom and it was around then that I launched my own business the kind uh, sorry not my business I won't won't take your business off you (laughs) the brave space (laughs) The brave space. Which, oh, <laughs> um, and my business was all about supporting children who are struggling with separation anxiety. And I created a product which was called Brave Oil. Um, and it was around that time I reached out, gifted you some Brave Oil, and our little friendship went from there. 
Yeah, it's so nice, isn't it? And I think, I mean, from my end of it, I just remember hearing from you when one of my boys, I think both of them were struggling, but one in particular was really struggling with this whole concept of separating from me and going to school and daycare. And you sent me the most thoughtful parcel with the brave oil. And I just thought that it was such a cool concept And it was a really nice thing, like to just sit with the boys and be like, here's this special oil that's going to make you feel brave. And it was incredible. And then, yeah, you and Mm. I just went backwards and forth from there and realized that there were some parallels um, for sure in the way that we parent and also just in having sensitive little souls in the Mm -hmm. house. And yeah, it's just kind of grown from there over the years. And Mm. we've had you involved in the community, in the KPC. And then when Jordan and I were chatting about starting a kind parenting company podcast, which was another question, why did I start that? Why did we start it? Um, I knew that I wanted to have a parenting podcast, but I also knew that realistically I didn't have a lot of the time um, or energy for that. And so we wanted to bring Mm. someone on board who we knew would be a really great voice in the parenting space. And straight away we were like, oh, Jackie, like, of course, who else would we ask? (laughs) And so we reached out to you and we went backwards and forth a bit. And you've just been incredible with the KPC podcast. You've got great guests, brilliant topics. You speak so well, like it's such a brilliant resource and I really want to get it out there more because I know that the more parents who listen to it, the more they're going to benefit from it. Mm, it, it is such um, like a, a great podcast and I love you know if anyone's listened to it which I'm sure you have you're here um, in the intro we talk about the fact that we t- our topics and our conversations are evidence-based but non-judgmental like this is a safe space because we're learning we're, we're going through it we're in the trenches there too with young kids so that's what I love and oh Kylie do you remember how just before we launched the podcast together you had me as a guest on your Kylie Camps show yeah. podcast and we had that great conversation where we just bounced back and forth and I remember getting off that call with you and I was like, I want to have these conversations all the time. And so for me that felt like a bit of a trigger for launching KPC podcast too. Do you remember that? Yeah, definitely. And I'll put the link as well to our episode so people can go back and listen to that one as well. Um, yeah. But I think that's such a nice thing in life when you get to take part in something and you notice that you're lit up by it. And it's like, oh, like I have those moments too when I finish podcasting with a guest and even just being sat here this morning and chatting with you. I'm like, this is what I want to do. Like I love being able to do this. So it's so nice when things align and I feel like the KPC podcast, like a lot of things sometimes in my life, like I wish that I could spend more time focusing on certain elements but I feel as though you've really just taken the reins with it and you do an incredible job and so does Jordan as well in the back end. So um, I'm going to pop our chat today as well on the Frey podcast. So if people are just used to listening to the Frey podcast and they've not yet jumped over and hit subscribe on the KPC, absolutely do it. There are, of course, like it's a parenting podcast, but there are topics in there that I think are just going to be helpful and relatable to people who've not yet had kids and just want some food for thought on the different facets of parenting. It's interesting you say that because in recent, um, like maybe the last two months, I've actually received a bunch of messages from people on Instagram saying, you know, I'm not a parent yet, but I will be one day. Um, Or I forget what the topic was 
we spoke about something else, but someone had referred her girlfriend who wasn't a parent um, and it was something just a life thing or perhaps like something that affects women and she really enjoyed listening to it too. So it kind of, it is definitely parenting focused, but, you know, we step outside that yeah. box sometimes. And I think too, Jackie, it's good because when you are with someone and you're thinking about having children or perhaps like me, you just fall pregnant without really intending to um, and you start to have conversations about the way you want to parent, I think a lot of the time it starts off as really general, like, you know, let's make sure we raise our kids to have good morals and good values and I want them to be confident and it's really general because you're not yeah. yet in the trenches and the weeds. But I think listening to podcasts where you're like, what does that mean? What does actually yeah. raising them to have confidence look like? Because if they're super sensitive, you know, it's not just going to be like a pat on the back and like, get out there, champ, you've got this. It could be re- yeah. so much more granular. So I think for people that have not yet had kids, it's going to be able to open conversations with their potential partners of, hey, like if this situation happened, how would you feel about that? And just, I don't know, give people more avenues to actually have a better insight. Oh, without doubt. And that's a good thing, I suppose, whether it's you or I doing solo apps or the guests that we've had on, um, everyone brings their unique perspectives and just, you know, I've left episodes with guests being like, huh, didn't really think of it that way until they kind of tripped that thought process in me. So yeah, definitely jump on, check it out. There's topics and conversations on a whole range of things. So there'll be something in there. I'm sure that piques your interest. Absolutely. And speaking of giving people an insight, Something I just thought about asking you when you were sort of introducing yourself then was, what is it like, what was it like for you going from two bubs to three? And the reason I'm asking is not because I'm pregnant. It's because someone (laughs) asked me on Instagram to ask my audience on their behalf, what was it like for them going from two to three? And the responses were so very, Jackie. Some people were like, don't do it. It's chaos. Other people were like, no, a third just seamlessly weaves in. So what yeah. was your experience like? Okay. Yeah. With full acknowledgement that everyone's different. Of course. Yeah, yeah, different. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's mine. Um, and I just need to set it up by saying the transition from no children to one child and for my one child that I desperately wanted and we'd started IVF work and, you know, I pined for that first baby. That was the equivalent of being hit with a truck from the side. Like I was <laughs> knocked flat on my back. I, yeah, I look back and I think I just want to go back to that Jackie and pick her up off the road and be like, come here. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be okay. You know, I remember sobbing to my own mum saying, how does anyone have more than one child? Like this is Why crazy. do people do this? <laughs> Why would you set yourself up for that? And the comforting factor, this is, I can laugh about this now, but I used to always say to myself, at least I don't have twins. <laughs> I wouldn't be coping if I had twins. And, and here I, I am going, well, at least I don't have triplets because I've got two arms. <laughs> There's always someone with more babies. Yeah. Um, so that was that's the context. And then my honest answer, though, honest, honest, hand on heart, is that having the third was just so natural. Someone, a girlfriend said to me, it's like you have them, you pop them in your handbag and off you go. And that's very much what the experience was like for me. I guess because I'd done a lot of self-work and a lot of growing, my tolerance for chaos and sleep and whatnot had all expanded so much. So that's the honest answer. So 
I have this advice for anyone that says, oh, we're tossing out whether to go for the third. My husband and I have this like textbook line we roll out to everyone. We say, if it's not a no, it's probably a yes. Okay. <laughs> so there's that's food a good for one. If it's not a no, it's probably a yes. Because I often think like having twins, two at once, obviously that's a baptism of fire. Um, oh, yeah. And, and yeah, like full PTSD from still having newborn twins. But oh, yeah. <laughs> I often think if I was to go again, I would have to have a more enjoyable experience, touch wood, purely because I understand that it passes. I think when I was really yes. in the trenches, as as dumb as it sounds, because you know that your kids are going to grow, you know that this is going to change. But when I was in the trenches with newborns, it was like, oh my gosh, this is my life from now on. I'm never going to, things are never going to change. Whereas now yes. having gone through so many stages with the boys, I feel as though if I was to do it again, I, I would have a level of awareness of going, yep, this is hard and it's going to pass and maybe be more calm in the fact of knowing like it's normal, it's up, it's down, but it's going to pass mm. because, I mean, yes. as I said at the start, I can't believe my kids are turning nine at the end of the year. It feels like it's been a blink and you'll miss it type of thing. So, mm. yeah, I wonder if having a second and a third when you've already got one, you feel more centred in mm. yourself and more calm. I actually think you've articulated like the core of what it actually is or my experience was, you know, when, you, when you've when you gone through that and been in those depths of the trenches and there are times when you, you really feel like it's the most challenging thing you've done, um, having that perspective of gone through that, it really enriches your experience with subsequent babies, I feel. So, yeah, I feel like you've that's, that's definitely what it is, mm. a big factor in it. I also yeah. think one of the things I found so hard – with newborn life was I felt like I was always trying to please the people in the periphery, like the midwives mm-hmm. and the, you know, the healthcare nurses and all of that. Like I was like, oh, I want to do it right. I want to do it perfect for them. You know, like I don't want to let them down because they're telling me this is the best way to do it. First, if I was yes. to do it now, I think I would be much more inclined to kind of cut myself off from so many outside opinions and really just focus on the bub in front of me. Yeah, yeah, which is so like that makes it alone a totally different experience. So, you know, all of this, all of this hindsight and, and lessons you learn, it's nice to talk about it because I feel like anyone that is in that first baby phase and perhaps doing all those things that both you and I did, you know, trying to please, trying to tick all boxes and, and be all singing, all dancing, first time mum, it's really nice to hear that that's so unnecessary. And if you can just park some of that and just lighten your load a little bit, um, it will make the whole thing so much more enjoyable on the tricky days. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things, just to round that out, one of the things that a healthcare nurse did say to me, which was so helpful, was along the lines of, well, just to give it some context, I was really struggling with feeding. Like I didn't have enough Mm. milk. I was forever on the pump. Both boys were having three course feeds every three hours. So they'd go on the boob. Then they'd have expressed breast top-ups, then formula top-ups, which would take like 90 minutes per child because they were so little. and, And then it would just be rinse and repeat with the second one and then get back on the pump. And I felt like I was dying. Like I was so exhausted. Yeah. And people around me, you know, my mum at the time was saying, just move to formula feeding, The bo- you know, the boys need it, you can't keep doing this, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I was so resistant to the idea because breast is best and there was so much, um, I want to say pressure, but support to just make sure I was nailing breastfeeding type of thing. 
and one mm-hmm. healthcare nurse came out and she was brilliant and she looked me in the eye and she said, Kylie, when you walk around in life now as an adult, do you ever stop and wonder if the person you're talking to was breastfed or formula fed? And I was like, no, because it's so important at that moment and not to discount breastfeeding because it is so important. It's so um, nutrient dense and all of the wonderful things, but I wasn't doing it well. And I I was really struggling and just that relief of going like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I yeah, don't walk I around it. as an adult wondering who was breastfed and then judging people who weren't. And that nope. was really helpful. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. That's good advice. Mm. We both have a couple of questions that were submitted to our Instagram. Do you want to kick off mm-hmm. with some that w- were submitted yeah. through yours? We'll just go back and yeah, forth. Let's, good one. All right. So let's start with a nice um, easy peasy. One of the first questions that came through was someone who said that she's followed both of us for ages and she's keen to know how you decompress. So when things are super crazy, busy, or you're in a challenging season, how do you, her words were, decompress from that? Yeah, I love that word, decompress. Um, Lauren White, the sexologist, uses that word. How do you decompress? And I think that's such a, it just gives you like straight away, like even now I feel just calm saying it. I'm like, oh, Mm. yeah, let it all out. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, how I decompress, exercise is a massive one for me. Um, Also just actually sitting still and asking myself, how do I feel? What do I need? It's such a small thing, but it is a game changer for me because I'm very prone to just kind of over-functioning and keep pushing, keep pushing and kind of desensitize from what I really feel. So even just taking a few really deep breaths and going like, like, how do I feel and what do I need right now? And sometimes that need will be, oh, I need to keep going. I need to get up and exercise. And other times it will be, I need to go and have a really long shower or a bath or just get my feet on the sand. Um, those would be my top ones. What about you? Mm. Can I ask you with that? Um, I'll share mine too, for sure. But um, when you say pause and just check in with yourself and see what you need, were you, that process, was that always intuitive for you or did that take time to develop you know, an, a sense of what you need. No, like that's definitely not intuitive. <laughs> it's not intuitive. Okay. And even now that I know it, I still have a reminder on my phone that's a constant notification. So every time I pick up my phone, I see how do I feel? What do I need? And then at midday every day, a little ding goes off and draws my attention to it. But I keep it on my phone because it's very tempting to pick up your phone as a way to numb out and to yes. escape what you're feeling. And I have that habitual temptation. I mean, we all do because social media is designed to steal our focus, steal our attention and make us want to dive into other people's lives. So I have it on my phone on purpose because if I'm picking up my phone and going to Instagram, I noticed in the past I might be going to Instagram to get a sense of validation or attention or connection, you know, particularly Mm -hmm. being a single mum for a little bit, I'm not single currently, but when I was single, I was so lonely. So I would pick up my phone to go for that cheap hit of connection. So having it on my phone as a prompt to go, how do I feel? What do I need? was like a bit of a circuit breaker. So I'd pick it up and I'd go, huh, what is it that I do need? And if it's connection, how can I get that in a way that's more satisfying than that cheap kind of dopamine hit or that cheap praise Mm. from someone I don't know? 
So in that instance, it might be picking up the phone and ringing a really good girlfriend, ringing a relative. It could just be stopping and giving myself that connection by journaling. Might be going and giving the kids a hug. It's definitely not Mm. an intuitive thing that I was taught as a kid. Um, But in my early 20s as well, like aside from social media and whatnot, in my early 20s, I struggled with an eating disorder. And going through so much therapy really taught me about the importance of noticing when I have self-sabotaging thoughts and wanting to pull myself out from discomfort because a lot of an eating disorder is like, this feeling is unbearable. I need more control. So it's like actually noticing, huh, am I feeling like I need a lack, like I need control? How can I feel more in control or how can I surrender to the fact that I don't have control? So it's definitely a process. It's not an intuitive thing at all for me. It's something I have to work at continually. Yeah, I love this. I, lo- I love the fact that you were able to set up that little like blocker, a little barrier, I suppose. Yeah, to, circuit breaker. Know, yeah, like that is that is the essence of true self-care, I think, like which is a whole other conversation. But putting things in place like that for ourselves, like that is the magic of true self-care. So I love that. I love that you've talked about And you know that. what, Jackie, it's such a gift in parenting as well because it's so easy to think that you're frustrated with your kids when really it's something else. Like it's so easy to be like, just give me five minutes, stop talking to me. But really what it is is you're feeling all of the pressure from other areas of your life. So if we develop this habit of checking in and being like, how do I feel? I'm feeling stressed about whatever it is. I'm feeling overwhelmed. And you acknowledge it and validate. Then when you turn to your kids in the next breath, it, it just gives you like space and then you're not projecting onto them. And they're yeah. not copying yeah. it. They're not the little punching bags, obviously not physically. But, you know, sometimes our kids just absorb, um, yeah, the side effects of us not dealing with how we're actually feeling. And it creates oh, so much doubt. more tension. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's just, yeah, infinitely valuable that. So, yeah, I love that you've raised that. Um so me, in terms of, I was thinking, <laughs> went on a thought tangent there, um, in terms of how I decompress, so I love all the the usual things, I suppose, that are really common. I, I love a long bath. Like I literally have a bath most nights. Um, it's kind of like a little uh, baptism for me where I feel like I wash the day off and, yes. and come out fresh. <laughs> reset. Um, yeah, total reset. But my biggest way to decompress is single tasking. Because I am an absolute demon in my days for not single tasking. So I feel like I'm always um, yeah, doing two or three things at once. So for me to truly decompress, single tasking, just doing one thing at a time is super regulating for my nervous system. And whether that's sitting with the boys while they're doing their home reader or if I'm doing a yoga class, I make sure I am 100% mentally there in that yoga class Um, Or even if it's just if I can't go to yoga or whatever, if I'm just doing something mundane like um, cooking dinner, I I don't I take the you know AirPods out of my ears. I'm not listening to a podcast or writing business notes at the same time. I just cook dinner. Yeah, and for me that's been really really um, really valuable for sure. I love 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 that because I'm a sucker for that as well, Jackie. I'll have a podcast in and be replying to an email and making dinner (laughs) and like nodding to something that the kids are saying. And I have to continually like remind myself like stop abusing all of your senses at once. Like you're just like assaulting every sense in your body stop 
And then I wonder why I have like sensory overwhelm. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so overwhelmed. Yeah, you're like, what, what's oh, really? going on? It's so weird. Um, there's a really great, like, I don't know whether you'd call it a mantra or a quote, but it's like current moment, only moment. And I tell myself that because I get spirally with all the things I have to do, like, blah, 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 and I'm forever looking after future me, which is sometimes great, but sometimes it's like, because I'm forever like, what am I going to need in five minutes, 10 minutes? What do I need tomorrow? It's like, <laughs> I'm not actually in yep. the moment. So yeah, current moment, only moment. Righto. There's my new phone reminder. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> good one. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that was that one. Um, Oh, over to you. Do you have another question that came through? Yeah. What does an average morning look like for you? Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is something I actually did an app on for the good segue. Um, I did this and recorded an app for the podcast, so I can link back to that. Uh, Mornings are something that I've become really intentional about since becoming a mum because I went through a time when I didn't have my mornings and I really noticed through my own self-work with my psychologist, that if my day started on a certain tone, I found it really hard to break out of that. So if it, woke, if it woke up, if I woke up and it was chaotic, you know, there was nappies to be changed, bottles to be made, breakfast, I was sleepy and feeling like I was on the back foot. It was really hard for me to break out of that, sort of infiltrated my whole day. So I'm really intentional about mornings. Um, as cliche as it sounds, I really make an effort. I get up before the kids and that time in the morning is is me and it uh, nourishes me. It sets my tone for the whole day. So it can be, depending on what I need on the day, sometimes I make myself a um, coffee and I'll get back into bed and read and journal. Sometimes I get up and do a stretch, a yoga class, um, but it really it, whatever it is, it's it's not packing lunches. It's not getting ahead on emails for the day while it's quiet. No, it's, it's for it's you, the human, for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's that's my morning. And then when they're up, the kiddos, my kids sleep in, so I pull them out of bed at eight o'clock. Oh my gosh, um, at eight o'clock, eight o'clock. The boys, I should say, um, my little one, my little girl gets up. You're like, I just give that. them some finergan and they sleep till. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's really good. Joking, we're joking. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, they're little bed bugs, those two. So they will, I pull them out of bed about eight o'clock. We don't need to leave for school drop until, you know, just before nine. Um, so yeah, uh, Esther's up earlier, but um, yeah, boys get out of school and the minute they're up, it's it's the usual morning parenting chaos, breakfast, lunch boxes, school uniforms, lost shoes, the whole yeah. shebang until I drop them off. Yeah. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. <gasps> oh, so relatable. That whole, like, yeah, where are my shoes? Where are my socks? Just, oh. yeah, where did you take them off? <laughs> why? <laughs> every morning it's like we know we're going to school why does it surprise both them and me every morning that we can't find them funny and because my two are twins and they wear the same shoes and the same shoe size there's often like no they're mine I took mine off there like, for fuck's sake, just put a shoe on. Just grab a shoe and put it on. Oh, my gosh. Can I tell you something? So to avoid that whole thing, this is, again, a tangent. It just 
it just drove me nuts every morning. So I bought like, I'm talking 25 pairs of school socks and I've just got them in the door, in the cupboard that's right near our front door. So you open our cupboard now, they're the shoe cupboard and piles of school socks just fall out on top of you because I just couldn't deal with every morning. Like, where are my socks? I, so I, I just tried to circumnavigate that. That is the best. And I have done a similar thing. I went and bought like probably 12 to 14 pairs of socks and I actually keep some of them in the pantry which sounds wild but of a morning when they're getting dressed the boys will always get dressed out like in the living area so of a night before I go to bed I get their uniforms out and it's like shorts or trackies whatever they're wearing tracksuits at the minute because it's freezing up here shirts Uh and then socks but I have spare ones in the pantry because for some reason socks just run away so it's like you know what here grab these ones grab these ones put them on because it's just like easy I don't have to go to their bedrooms yes oh the things we do yeah exactly but how are your mornings how what do your mornings look like so I um I love what you're saying about waking up before the kids and that was absolutely a lifesaver for me when the boys were younger I would call it my hour of power I would always get up before them get a workout in have a coffee in peace write my lists for the day and then I could feel like I could give them my full attention when they were waking up because I was okay. It wasn't, you know, hitting the ground, running into that chaos like we've spoken about. Um, Now that the boys are a bit older and I guess I've got quite like more of a, more fluidity in life in terms of not every day is the same because the boys go to their dad. So we co-parent, the boys are with me six days in a row and then they go to their dad for three nights. So my mornings with the boys have a totally different pace to my mornings when they're not here. Um, but I guess some of the same pillars are I always wake up, I always have a coffee in the morning. I always like to go over a list of what I need to do that day. Um the morning that the boys are here, most mornings they'll come in, one will come in and say, the kettle's on. That's the way he's like telling Aww. me to get up. So yeah. I hear the kettle go, kettle's on. Um, and then I'm up with the boys and I don't have that time without them. But then I get the school day. So it just depends, Jackie. Like I feel like every day has a slightly different cadence to it. Mm. But there are some, mm. of course, similar pillars. You know, school day, it's get up, make sure the kids are dressed, sorted, um, yeah. pack the school lunches, get their bags, get out the door on time for school, drop off. And on the mornings yeah. I don't have the kids, sometimes I'm up really early. Sometimes I'll be up at like 4, 4.30 and I'll record some podcasts before the sun's even up. I like to get a workout in of a morning, but I've really had to adapt to being less rigid. When the boys were younger, I was much more rigid and routine, whereas now it's like, oh, some Mondays I have the kids, some Mondays I don't. So... Yeah, yeah, it's a bit more and probably fluid. that they're a little bit and a little bit more self sufficient. Yeah, too, they're independent. Nice they can, for, he can put his own yeah. waffles in the toaster. <laughs> Find his own socks in the pantry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> good one. Good one. Um, all right, let me see. The next question. Oh, this is a good question. This came through from someone. They said, um, Is there one gem of advice that you would give your younger self? Oh, so many. There are so many things I wish I could go back and tell my younger self. Oh, me too. Yeah. I think the first thing that came to mind then when you mentioned it was just, I wish 
that throughout more seasons of my life, I was more aware of my independent identity separate to other people because that's something I've really struggled with at different times. I've struggled with um, getting to know myself separate from how I think people expect me to be, which might sound strange, but also relation like in terms of relationships when I went through a marriage breakdown a couple of years ago I felt so discombobulated like completely just pulled apart because I didn't know who I was separate to being in quotes a good wife and a good mum because all of a sudden I was no longer a wife I no longer had someone next to me and I also was having to share the boys of course with their dad but it was just like this like just super challenging time in my life. And I realized for my whole life, I've attached my identity to other people. And it's only been in the last couple of years that it's like, no, no, who is Kylie separate? And what does Kylie need? And what does Kylie like? And how does Kylie want to show up in the world? And I think if there's one thing I could go back and tell myself, it would be that. It's like, no, no, really focus on getting to know yourself and be in less of a hurry to please people and do the good thing and meet the good man and have a good life and da-da-da-da-da. Be much more focused on you as an individual first and foremost. Yeah. Do you feel like that was a thing too now now that you can look back, even before um, your marriage or having kids, which are two huge things to, for our identities to become absorbed with. I think that's something a lot of women will identify with. Do you feel like maybe even growing up, that was part of it as your family too? Like you're totally. attached to, yeah. That's what I was yeah. trying to say. You articulated it much more smoothly is growing up, I really felt like I had a role to play in my family. And there was yes. a lot of conditioning, you know, from such a young age, Jackie, I was told, by my dad, this is the job that you're going to do. And and like, I just didn't question anything because I really wanted to please and be like, this is my role in the family and this is how it's going to go. And I just didn't have that that sense of autonomy um, or desire, I guess, to really get to know myself in that way. And it's Mm. one of those things, like I have these conversations with my girlfriends and we often say, it almost feels like one of life's cruel jokes that you get to know yourself so well in your 30s and I can only imagine you get a software upgrade in your 40s and your 50s and beyond, but yet your biological clock is geared to have kids young. So it's like we're choosing partners and we're coming into motherhood and I think coming into motherhood and choosing partners and all of that stuff, it goes towards the system upgrades that we get and the learning and the pushing and the growing. But it's like this cruel, like cruel thing in life that it's like, we desire to have kids young and our bodies want to have kids young because our eggs start jumping off a cliff in our late (laughs) thirties. But it's like, hang on, if only we could pair the wisdom that we get in our thirties and beyond, I'm sure, with mm. then entering motherhood, what an amazing ride that would be. Oh, yes, this is the paradox. I've, I've never actually thought that through, but you're so right. I've got girlfriends who have met their person, their partner or whoever, um, later, in air quotes because it's not late, but, you know, later than their early 20s or 30s even and then had babies later than perhaps most people. And for them, you know, they, they're fully formed in themselves. They're secure in themselves in who they are, what they want in life, how it's all playing out for them. And I think that's really different than when you're still like in those, um, you know, in the miasma of trying to figure out who you are and what you want, you know, if you're in a relationship or having children young. Of course, not everyone. There's some people that it 
you know, rock solid clear on all of those factors. But for many of us, I think I like the software upgrade, I love that analogy, <laughs> that I got in my 30s has been, oh, if I could have been given that in my 20s, I think things would have been on a totally different trajectory. So, yeah, and it is, I agree. It's such a paradox, but it's one of those things. It's like you can't put the cart before the horse because you've got to be yeah. in the trenches and you've got to yeah. go through all of those. <laughs> you've got to hit all of those walls and have all of those moments to actually then get to that next level. But I often yeah. think like when I had the boys, I was 27 and like I didn't feel young having them, but I look mm. back and I'm like, wow, I feel like I was still such a baby and I'm sure, you know, with a bit of awareness when I'm turning 45, I'll look back and think, oh, 35-year-old Kylie was a baby too. <laughs> but like I just wish, like I wish that I had some of some more fully formed thoughts and beliefs yeah. about who I was back then. I know, I know. But would we have listened to ourselves? No. Anyway, now I'm thinking like, I would have listened to, to Jack, 38-year-old Jackie. I would be like, oh, what does she know? Old, so old. <laughs> um, yeah, mm. I get it. I get it. Um, in terms of advice, I guess mine's similar on a, on a bit of a tangent, but when I the advice I would give Jackie is to not be in such a rush, um, to loosen up and be a little bit more flexible with the way you think your life has to go and be. And I say that because um, I guess it was actually now reflecting on your advice. I was I was conditioned. I was a certain type of person. I was super studious and, you know, uh, very focused on the future that I thought I was going to have. But looking back now, I wonder how much of that was just what I was told a future would, should look like for someone, you know, who was that way. Because I went left school. Um, I really wanted to be a psychologist and study psychology, but I went to careers advisors who told me that no, that wasn't the right match for my interest or skill set. And so I went and studied economics, which I look back now and think that is so very far removed from the person I am. Uh, it was so dry. It was so, oh, I don't know how I got through those years at uni. And then of course went into a career that followed that path. And you know, I, I did all these things, ticking boxes and thinking, you know, I was going to do corporate when it, it really wasn't um, in, aligned with who I really was at my core. And so, you know, when I speak to girls now, I actually did a talk last week for a group of high school girls. The advice is you don't have to have it all figured out. And there's such value in just taking a pause, have a gap year, just pursue things that interest you, just see where, you know, opportunities pop up that you you'll miss if you're hell bent on, you know, rigidly following what you think you should be doing. Mm. That's what I'm trying to say. I love that advice. Um, if we all just w approach life with like a little bit more willingness to have that fluidity and observe, go for the story, go for the experience versus having to think, oh, we've got to have it all figured out and this is the way it's got to be, you know, yes. and even, um, yeah, I know, I know for myself, I think a lot of that conditioning was the way to have a good life was to follow these mm. few steps. And so then yeah. you follow those steps and I'm 27 and I'm like, oh, but now what? Like, you know, like I've followed yeah. the, yeah, I wish, like I wish I'd gone and traveled a bit more and gone and yeah. experienced things. And yeah. And even yeah. if, you know, even if getting married and all of that, but just not having such a tight attachment to how things should need yes. to be that's really good advice yes. and so good that you were able to speak with the high school students about that 
Mm, yeah, I wish someone come and told me that, but you know, I probably would have thought they didn't know what they were talking about, so I wouldn't have listened anyway. Yeah, because that's it, because we don't have our system upgrade when we're in high school. Yes. We're still in our yes. teenagers. <laughs> oh. Totally. Um, what's something that surprised you about motherhood? Oh, oh, wow. Where do we start? I could write a book on that. But I think the biggest thing that surprised me is I'm actually a totally different mum to the mum that I thought I'd be. Oh, in what like, way? Oh my gosh. I look back at Jackie, pregnant Jackie. Um, I thought, cause I, then I was super, um, I'm still career focused, but I'm not corporate career focused now. What lights me up is entrepreneurial things and uh, conversations and projects and that type of thing. Whereas I always thought my career would be you know, corporate working in, you know, with a suit on in the city. And so pregnant Jackie and Jackie planning for babies thought that she would um, have her little maternity leave and that would be blissful and enjoyable. And I would walk on the Esplanade and have lattes every day. And then Jackie would go back to work and, um, you know, my bubby would go to care or, or whatever would happen and we were going to do everything according to the checklist and it was all going to be neat and when I traveled for work that was fine because I would have my husband take time off work and he would be like you know the carer that way and yet when I got into it with my first baby I didn't even recognize myself because everything changed I, I lost all interest and drive in achieving that corporate career and I really wasn't um, while I had aspirations to, you know, be successful in air quotes, whatever that is to you, um, it, I realized very quickly it wasn't going to be through that pursuing that path, and that whatever thing I pursued now was going to be in tandem with being um, at home a lot more than what I thought I was going to be. So, took it was a bit of a oh, let's get to know new Jackie. Yeah, here. this version. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that surprised me. There's so much um, importance in just redefining what success means for yourself, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Motherhood will, motherhood will help you on that path for sure. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it sure will. Um, what surprised you? I think the thing that surprised me the most about motherhood is the way that it kind of made me level up and grow up in the way that – all of a sudden I started seeing life very differently and I was no longer, prior to having the kids, I should say, I was very happy to just plod along. You know, like I didn't have big aspirations for myself further than meet a good man, have good kids. That's the good life. But once I had the boys, I think just the the smack in the face of realizing I am their role model, it made me level up in a way that I don't think I would have had I not become a mum, because all of a sudden I was like, more willing to push myself out of my comfort zone because I felt a responsibility to show them that they could do it. You know, I was more willing to take a risk on starting my own business, on really backing myself um, because I would want them to take that risk yeah. and I would want them to do it. And even now, one of my top values is growth. And I think that's because I want to role model that for the boys in a lot of ways, like I don't want them to get comfortable in their little comfort zone. I want them to always take the option to grow and stretch and expand. And that's what I would say surprised me the most about motherhood because I didn't go into parenting thinking that it was going to raise me up. You know, you go into parenting yeah. thinking I'm going to raise and shape them. And it's like, oh, yeah, a little bit, but more, more so than that, their presence yeah. is changing me in that way. That's so interesting because obviously I didn't know you pre-babies, um, but from when I did know you, <laughs> um, 
you know, that was when the boys were young, your business exploded, you know, from when they were quite at a young age. And so I used to see you talking about the fact that you would get up, like you said, at 4.30 in the morning to to write your um, programs or do business work so that you could be with them in the day or, or whatever you were doing. Um, so it's really interesting that take of that, yeah, the way that changed for you when they were there. Yeah, I didn't have a very strong work ethic before having the boys, you know, like, I mean, I always worked. I did an apprenticeship after high school and then I was a flight attendant and I loved my job, but I also never had aspirations. I mean, like I did little bits and pieces on the side for myself and I, you know, was always the sort of kid that was like setting up stalls and selling things and whatnot. But yeah, once I had the boys, it was like, oh, just this opportunity to kind of, I guess, realize life is very precious. You're role modeling you just get one shot at this, that's what surprised me the most. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. It's really good. What else you got on your list there, my love? Oh, let's see. Let's see. Okay. Um, Okay. A bit of a change change of pace. Um, Someone said you both talk at times about having a child who's highly sensitive. How did you know? Oh, you just... I guess I mean, how did... Yeah. How did I know that one of the boys was more sensitive? Um, (laughs) You just know, like... Uh, uh, how, how do we even put words around it? Um, just noticing. So one, I've as identical twin boys. They both have their own, you know, issues and whatnot. But one has definitely presented to be more sensitive and need more than the other. So there's that o- obvious comparison because I've got two children, same age, same DNA, same upbringing, but one is struggling more with separating from me. He's Um, like a really deep thinker, I just noticed he would take a lot longer to process things and have bigger questions. Um, I guess I always suspect, like I always knew he was a sensitive child just even as a toddler because he was quieter than other kids, more thoughtful, more reserved um, and just, yeah, more sensitive, like more emotional, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Parents of highly sensitive kids who have been able to identify that. Um, and I know, Kylie, you've done episodes on this and I, I recorded an episode all about high sensitivity in children. So if, if this is of interest to you and you suspect that your child might fit this profile, definitely go and listen to that because it's a complete unlock when you understand this profile. Um, but parents who have highly sensitive kids will often say they they know it from the child that the time their baby is born, it's, it's evident. They're more um, prone to sensory overwhelm. Typically they're fussier babies, um, if you want to use that word fussy, but, you know, they don't settle as easily or, you know, the sleep is more challenging getting them to wind down. And then certainly in toddlerhood it becomes even more apparent. That was my experience with my little boy who's who's definitely highly sensitive. It was, it was very evident that there were differences with his peers and even his brother um, from a young age. So yeah, anyway, definitely worth listening to those episodes though, to explore that. Yeah. And it's one of those things, Jackie, that I think once you have a bit of language and a bit of understanding about the HSP, the highly sensitive person kind of profile, it gives you so much peace as a parent. One of my girlfriends was going through this at the moment. Her son has just started, um, in Queensland, they call it prep. Yeah. yeah. And he was really struggling. And I said to her, look up this book by Elaine Aaron, The Highly Sensitive Child. And she sent me a message a couple of days later saying she'd been reading it and just had tears running down her face because she was like, they're describing my son. And it can yes. feel really like 
isolating or as though you've done something wrong as a parent, if your child takes a little while longer to adapt or just needs a little more from you, it can bring up frustrations and confusion. So actually having someone put language around it and go, you know what, here's a checklist because that book has a checklist. You can go through and be like, oh, yes. And then when you understand, you're so much more empathetic and supportive and you can actually see the gifts in that sensitivity. And your episode was brilliant, brilliant. So it's a must listen for anyone whose little ears are pricking up at the moment going, oh, maybe I have a highly sensitive child. Yeah, yeah. And actually I recently watched, um, so Elaine Aaron, who Kylie mentioned then is like the the guru of all things high sensitivity, um, she created a documentary kind of thing with, um, remember Alana Yeah, Smallset? I saw this. Yeah. yeah this, this is how I made a, so side note, tangent. Um, <laughs> this is how I made one of my good girlfriends was she has a highly sensitive child and we bonded at school because we were both sat there after drop-off when our kids began. And she reached yep. out to me and said, hey, there's a screening of this documentary about sensitive people in Byron. Would you like to see it? And it was that one with Alana Smorissette. No yeah, 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 yeah. So that was... I I saw that in Byron when the kids were five and again, just like, oh, okay, empath, I get it. (laughs) Yeah, and she, I mean, obviously she's so talented with her creativity and her her ability to articulate things um, that I would definitely, I saw it too, and recommend watching that because it, it, I think a lot of parents come to this place of needing to understand high sensitivity through the struggles and there are challenges with being highly sensitive without doubt um, and challenges for our kids and in supporting our kids. But there's also this other side of these enriched, creative, you know, like Kylie said, deep thinkers who uh, can be really innovative and clever with their their um, thought processes. So anyway, check that out too. The, that's worth watching. Yeah, absolutely. I co-sign, co-sign on that one. <laughs> Um, do you have any other ones there that you think we should get to? Oh, um, they were the main ones. The rest, you know what, we might need to do another app because the rest that I had come through were more parenting um, questions specifically. So I had one about video games. Can we talk about our thoughts on that? What age is okay? Talking about social anxiety in children. So I feel like there's a need for a second to follow yes. up here to talk mainly about parenting stuff rather than you and me stuff. Yes, I would sense. love that. Let's do that because we could open up a question box and I'm sure lots of people will submit really specific questions. I think yes. that's a brilliant idea. Before we jump off, I've got a couple of quick rapid fire ones, I guess we could call them. Let's do it. Let's do it. What is your favorite quote? Uh, without doubt. So I'm a quote junkie. I love a motivational quote on my wallpaper, on my phone. But um, the quote that guides my whole life is what we think we become. Yeah. And I suppose for someone that's studying psychology, that's appropriate. But it's so true. Our, our thoughts and the, the way we tend to our thoughts is everything. So it's, what we think we become. It's one of those kind of almost not cheesy, like not pithy, but it's like, you get used to seeing that sort of stuff everywhere. But when you really sit and think about that, it's like, oh my gosh, yes, my personal narrative, the voice, like what I'm telling myself is shaping everything. Yes. Yeah. Without doubt. I love that. Yep. (laughs) Yours? I've got so many favorite quotes, but the one that's been consistent for me over probably the last 10 years is success is the sum of small habits repeated day in day out or daily oh yeah yeah like and that's 
I love that because I think it's tempting to think, oh, to be successful, you've got to have everything. But it's like, no, no, success, it's the sum of the small habits. It's the little things you're doing. It's the inching towards your goals that goes towards it. Yeah. So I like that one. Good one. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite movie you can recommend? Mm, I'm in a weird space with movies because – I don't watch a lot of TV um, and the TV we do watch tends to be governed by the kids. <laughs> so I do have a, a favourite movie, but they're, they're kids' movies, um, but ones that I love. So I absolutely adore the animation Coco. Have you seen that? Do you know what? I haven't seen it and the kids are not oh. interested. I've put oh. I've put the preview it's on because I've heard it's so good. They're like, no. Nah. <laughs> I'm like, watch it. I've heard it's good. <laughs> Sit. <laughs> it is beautiful. Coco, definitely recommend as like something you can watch with your kids and still enjoy. And the other one that fits that criteria too is it's so gorgeous, this movie called Stickman by Julia Donaldson. Have you seen that? No, but we've got the book. If it's oh, is, okay. is she the author of like the the Ruffalo yeah, and all yeah, Room ones? on the Broom and all of that? Yes, yes. So Stickman, the animation for that is is divine. Like it's a short movie. I think it goes for twenty minutes or something, or maybe half an hour. And um even at seven and five, my boys still love it because it's just a ultimate woman fuzzy so okay my two. Yeah, yeah yeah we've got the book and even when we go for a walk like the other night we were trying to find sticks for like our little fire pit and we were like stick man oh stick man like because <laughs> I've read that book to them so much when they were little so that's good to know I'll look yeah. up the animation yeah do you have any adult movies you know what I'm not a huge similar to I think it sounds like you it's rare for me to sit and watch a lot of tv um, yeah. And it's rare for me to think, oh, I'm going to sit down and watch a movie. But yeah. one that I watched again for the second time recently is About Time. It's got oh, Rachel McAdams in it. It is such a good watch. And it's just like it's kind of that British wit. It's got Bill mm. Nye in it. And it's just got this beautiful message. And it's just a really enjoyable movie. So that's called About Time. I love that. Okay. If you happen to like sad movies, which I do, I find sometimes I need a sad movie just to access like tears and get all gross and feel and wallow. Um, <laughs> Love an ugly cry. Yeah, yes, yeah, good. I think, what is it? <laughs> okay, back to being like an overfunctioner who suppresses and suppresses. Sometimes I've needed to use sad movies to get into my own emotions, like going through yes, a divorce yes. and watching um, Marriage Story with Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver, like that was just way to pull yourself apart even further. But (laughs) the one that I was going to mention is called Our Friend. It is miserable from the beginning, but it is a beautiful, perfect movie. It's like one of those movies I'm like they've done it perfectly. It's got Casey Affleck and Jason Segel and Dakota Johnson in it, and it's about a a mum who has terminal cancer. And it's just this story of this friend giving up his life to come and help. And that's not giving it away because that's at the very start. But, um, yeah, it's just a beautiful movie. Good one. Okay. Next time I'm, I'm up for an ugly cry and a, move, a bit of moving emotion, I'll, I'll pop that on. And one last one. What is something that people don't know about you or might be surprised to know about you? Oh, God. <laughs> the first and I'll try and I don't know <laughs> something that people don't know because I feel like for years I've shared so much like overshared at times um yeah oh no 100% no. I've overshared oh. but that's just the nature of the beast that's your beauty uh, yeah, yeah. Um. something people don't know about me might be how jumpy I am 
So it's only oh, been. Oh, I saw you said this about Brendan the other day that he scares yeah, you. Yeah, so it's only been brought to my attention again since having someone here so much more because living alone, there's not many people to come and scare me, thankfully. But I can remember, like, I've been like this in relationships my whole life. I must have like a really sensitive nervous system because if he walks into a room and I'm not expecting him to walk into a room, I jump a mile. And like, he knows <laughs> this, right? So, like, I've told him. I am very jumpy. Do not scare me. Don't jump out at me. I don't enjoy that. I will cry. I hate it. Even with the kids, like sometimes the kids will come into the garage when I'm working out and because I've got my headphones in and I'll be like, fuck. And like I scare them because they've scared me and it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. They know they've got to do like heavy footsteps when they're approaching. Um, I'm coming. I know. But the other night I was facing away from the kitchen at the at the sink. I don't know whether I was doing dishes or tying up a rubbish bag or what. But Brendan was being funny and snuck out to like come up behind me and like grab me, but like like affectionately. But yeah. it scared me and he will never do that again because I like burst into <laughs> tears. And I'm like, that's not funny. I've told you I don't like to be scared. He's like, I thought it would be funny because he full disclosure, he ran out naked. He ran out naked and like tried to kind of like pick me up from behind thinking that would be funny. And he's standing there in the kitchen naked and I'm crying and I'm like, so that's something people don't love about me. Maybe it's that I have a ridiculously sensitive nervous system. And maybe I've listened to too many true crime documentaries because I am that's probably one junkie motherfucker. It's infiltrated your nervous yeah. system now forever. Yeah. Yes. That's so funny. Oh, poor Brendan. That really didn't play out the way he thought it no. would. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm so sure he'll love people- me sharing that. <laughs> Gosh, I love it. Um, okay, something people don't know about me, which is just a, a random quirk. Um, I, since the age of three, have not eaten a piece of fruit. I just cannot. What? Um, I, yeah, I literally, the thought of putting fruit in my mouth is enough to make me dry reach. I've been in feeding therapy. I've had hypnotherapy. I've just, I have tried so hard to um break this but it's obviously so deeply ingrained so what happened was I used to eat all fruit as a baby toddler whatnot and then I had um, a banana smoothie once that must have been I don't know off or something and it made me sick I vomited and so since that day that association yeah I cannot but it's it's generalized out to all fruit and so when I tell people this you know it's awkward when you go for dinner and they're like yeah have some a fruit platter I'm like oh no thanks I'll just sit here um they're like what about mango what about raspberries you know all the good fruit yeah um cannot cannot even have a like a mango daiquiri like do not put that in front of me wow and does it yeah. give you that physical ill yes yes okay yes. see when totally. when I was pregnant I had that with fruit so I can empathize with mm-hmm. you because I couldn't walk past a fruit shop I could not open the fridge if I knew that there was a fruit in the fridge like it was <laughs> ridiculous I couldn't I wouldn't be able to touch it like I just so I can empathize and I feel like so not to say like sorry for you, but I do feel sorry yes. for you because fruit's great. <laughs> oh, you poor little so, thing. So I'm told. So I'm told. <laughs> but you know what? It's like that. Um, you know, if you get really drunk for the first time on a certain alcohol, mm-hmm. then you're you're done. You're not going to drink that alcohol Majority. again. Like you're not going to touch them booker if you've made yourself sick on it. So yeah, that yeah. you know husband- that sensory. Oh, for sure. It runs deep. My husband loves that because, you know, with kids, it's all about modeling, you know, do as I do, not as I say. And so he'll love it. He'll be like, come on, guys, you know, we're teaching Esther to have fruit at the moment. And they're like, 
And mum puts on on her gloves to pass it to her. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, come on, mummy, show show her how you love these raspberries or whatever. And I'm like, I I just cannot. So anyway, it's a lot of entertainment for for all the boys in the house. It's like, watch me battle that. I bet. (sighs) I bet. Oh, poor little thing. (laughs) Work on it. I'll work on it. (laughs) Just accept it. Just make peace with it. Oh, to be honest, I think I'm there. Yeah, it's done. Of course, of <laughs> course. Um, it's funny. I choked on watermelon when I was like 22 and I was living with my sister oh. and I properly thought I was going to die. She had to do like the hind lick maneuver and everything. Oh, and now no. I won't eat watermelon unless someone's around because I have this fear that oh. what if someone's not around and it happens. So <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? The things that are just like we absorb and we hold on to and it's like your logical brain knows, but your sensations yes. won't allow that to happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Power of the mind, right? Absolutely. We could talk for hours. I know, oh, you know what? I've got over an hour already. I've got one more question that's for me. Okay. How is your hair like that? You have the perfect oh. hair. And Jordan and I always talk about this. We're like, Jackie and her perfect hair. Oh, it's so not Tell perfect. Tell us, do you me. blow dry it every day? I need to know. No, no. Okay, Go to her honest, Instagram honest. account team and look at her perfect hair. <laughs> You're so funny. Um, honest truth, honest. And my girlfriends will vouch for this because they, they've seen it. I wash it once every week, week and a half. Yeah. Okay. Um, there it's, it's really dry and thick. It's like horse hair if you feel it. So there's nothing sensual about running your hands through this, this mop. Um, and it's just basically, yeah, I just, mum bun it when I sleep and then I let the mum bun down in the day and pop a bit of dry shampoo in but that's that's, that's not what it. I want I to hear that's not I want to hear that you blow dry it every day and no. you spend hours on it because then I'll be like yeah no, no that's never going to happen for me okay <laughs> I blow dry it when I wash it obviously yeah. and that does take a good hour um to blow dry it and straighten it because it's fuzzy I'm not sure if you've seen my little girl's hair she's got like a blonde she's little got afro beautiful hair yeah so my hair's not that curly but it is curly um but, yeah, so it's a, it's a decent investment in time when I do wash it, but the washes are few and far between. Yes. Is that gross? No. Have I just publicly outed myself as a grub? I don't no, know. No. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I only wash my hair once a week and I exercise okay. like five days a week, so I'm gross. Yeah. But I feel like I might have a similar texture to your hair where it can handle that. Like if I had oily hair, yes. I'd have to wash it every day, but my hair is dry so I can wash it, blow dry it, and really get a blow, like stretch it out. But anyway, your hair is incredible. Everyone jump over to Jackie's Instagram account. Thank her for her wisdom and admire her hair. (laughs) All right, my love, we will record another episode where we answer those specific questions about video games and all sorts of things. Um, Yeah, we can get into the weeds of that one for sure. But it's been fun to talk to you. So nice to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. Easy. So people um, can jump over to your Instagram account. I'll put that in the show notes. I'm going to pop this episode on the fray and the KPC. So if you're not subscribed to either of those podcasts yet, or you're just a fan of one of them, jump over and give the other one a try because you might just enjoy it. Beautiful. Easy work. (laughs) Thanks for joining me and listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed this content and are looking to dive deeper into the support that the Kind Parenting Company offers parents and caregivers, you will love the range of programs we have available. The range includes online programs for supporting baby and toddler sleep, most suitable for babies aged 0 to 24 months, and also Toddler Life, which is a guide for those raising children aged 2 to 4 years. 
Each program comes with access to video and audio files, as well as the opportunity to join the community forums. Podcast listeners receive 20% off all programs. Simply visit the Kind Parenting Company website and use the code KPCPODCAST20, that's KPCPODCAST20, at checkout. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 